Welcome, Christian Israel, patriots around the world, and, uh, of course, constitutionalists, Christians and constitutionalists who are beginning to understand that America is under assault, but they most of them simply do not know the source of the river of pollution. The uh, Dante's Inferno contained a river called the River Styx, which was a river of flowing excrement flowing through Hades. Well, that river flows through Washington, D.C. And, and Wall Street, folks. That's where the river of excrement is flowing today. And, of course, these are the people who not only run America, but run the entire world. Yes, Bavaria man, the world is full of tyranny. And they're doing their absolute best. As we know, in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, the dragon was wroth with the woman and sent out a flood to destroy the woman. Of course, we are that woman, the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's about time our people wake up to what's really going on in this world. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. And Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good here in a very sunny, sunny Sweden. So the first real summer days here up in the north. So I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. So I'll be enjoying the show with you now and spreading yes. the word of God and, and, the, and the, the hope for liberty and for freedom. Amen. It's a lack our people today. They like this. They, we're going, going along with tyrants all the time, as I said. They are tyrants everywhere. And our governments today are more like a, like a gangster racket. They that's run, right. Run like a racket. Yeah, mafia. No doubt that's what, what the uh, what the world is experiencing today. But nobody knows that the mafia is run by Jews, right? So sooner or later, they're going to figure it out. And hopefully, I don't know if, uh, if Judeo-Christians have the moxie, to put it that way, to fight back once they find out that the Jews are their lords and masters and not God's chosen people. I mean, that's going to be, ooh, really? I can't believe that. Tell me it isn't true. Well, it's true. Sorry. Okay. But here, I have a quick, a couple of quick announcements. Uh, uh, you were going to say something there, Michael? Uh, no? Yeah, but do you... Go I ahead. think they are pretty, I don't know, they are pretty far gone, some of those people. Yeah, I mean, I mean right. even if you, you, if you blast up a bomb near to the day, they won't wake <laughs> right. up. They're still yeah. sound asleep. Right, yeah, and throw a rock through the window with a Star of David on it, <laughs> or a Star of Remphad. Oh, no, it can't be the Jews. There's no way it can be the Jews. They're God's chosen people, right? This is the delusion of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul says, just before the second coming, the world will fall into apostasy. And the Christian, it's talking about the Christian world. And they will cease to have sound judgment and they'll cease to believe in the Bible. Boy, I mean, every one of these Judeo denominations are 501c3 corporations and they have to follow the rules of the IRS, which means you cannot criticize homosexuality. You cannot criticize abortion. That's what these churches are. Uh, you know, is this paganism? Is this idol worship? Uh, when they worship an entity or, or under the entity of a lesser god, <laughs> right? That that's what it's, it is, folks. Okay, so a couple of announcements, real quick. Yeah, and uh, yeah, go ahead. And Eli, just from my side, is the idol worship our people doing today is their government. Yes, they bow down to the governments. And their TV sets, and they say, "Oh, I am no idol. I am no uh, no statues in my room. I bow down to no. Yeah. But you have a TV set, and you bow down to your government. 
Yeah. Yeah. How, how about that uh, library of Marx and Lenin? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, the, the churches and the uh, educational system are all bowing down to Marx and Lenin. That's what they're doing, folks. They've been doing this since uh, 1910 with the founding of the League for Industrial Society here in America and the, oh, what was it called in Britain? Uh, the Fabian Society, right? They, they instituted a policy of gradualism, infiltrating public and private institutions and I- instituting socialism, you know, creeping socialism in, into the educational system and into the religious systems of the country. So the Fabians were doing it in Britain and Europe and, of course, the League for Industrial Society, which is full-blown Marxism, infiltrating the colleges and teaching uh, the teachers, the NEA, uh, the various uh, teachers' organizations around the country have been infiltrated by these Marxists, and they don't even know it, although the ones who are indoctrinated know it because they're the ones who believe it. Your, your hometown feminist teachers there's way more female teachers than there are male teachers and uh they're all preaching feminism and communism folks that's that's the reality so we our people really need to wake up to this reality but here we have good news good news uh i'm reading from yahoo news empty clinics no calls the fallout of oklahoma's abortion ban and i'll put a link to this uh, in the chat room momentarily uh, Carolyn Kitchener, Washington Post, June 4th. This is yesterday. Whenever a new patient pulls into the parking lot at the Tulsa Women's Clinic, Tiffany Taylor rushes to flick on the lights. She turns off her indie folk playlist, looks out, or no, her, her commie, uh, commie songbook, looks out at the empty waiting room and prepares to deliver a speech she has recited about a dozen blah, 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 blah. I'm so sorry, the nurse says to anyone who wanders in asking about abortion, but there's this new law. Oklahoma, late last month, became the first state in the country to successfully outlaw abortion. There's such a thing as states' rights, folks. Offering a glimpse of a post-Roe versus Wade America, even while the landmark Supreme Court precedent still stands. Have they actually ruled? Have they actually banned abortion at the Supreme Court yet? You know, we wait with bated breath. Just months ago, Oklahoma's four abortion clinics were working overtime, scheduling record numbers of appointments as patients from Texas, where abortion has been severely restricted since the fall, streamed across the border. Now the clinics are desolate. Nurses are filling paperwork and watching Netflix, (laughs) which is what they usually do anyway, at Trust Women. Yeah, trust women to kill babies. A clinic in Oklahoma City that used to get 500 calls a day. Staff say the phone has stopped ringing. (laughs) Hooray, folks. Hooray, hooray, hooray. The uh, the, the tide is turning. This is why the the Rothschilds have declared that they they need to, uh, how should I put this? They need to have their depopulation agenda in effect, and they want to eliminate 7 billion people by the end of 2023. But it's not working that way, folks. Not so fast. Not so fast. It's, it's, not, it's, not, the way that, it's not the way they plan. 
not working out. The people are beginning to re- resist, even though they're not sure who the real forces behind all of this evil. O- over to you for, for comment. Yeah, that's kind of landmark that this has, we have gone in reverse for one's time. One's time has the, the what to say, has our side won, the, the good, the good in the fight has won, not only the evil ones. It tells that, yeah, evil, what do you say? Um, evil will, they will not prevail when a righteous man stands. Yes, yes, yeah, and, yeah, and, who said it? Uh, all that evil has to do to succeed is for good men to do nothing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay? Yeah, so the churches have been standing around doing nothing, actually letting themselves be infiltrated by all these Marxists and uh, not having anything bad to say about Marxism. They can't. The IRS pre- uh, regulations prevent them from criticizing Marxism, criticizing abortion, criticizing uh, queerness, etc., etc. So these these churches have they're five hundred one c three corporations, folks. They have sold out to international the the banking Bolsheviks, as I like to call them. So, folks, this is good news. Uh, Florida is uh, another very conservative state. I think it's catching, folks. Finally, a, a good disease is catching in America, right? I don't know if this can uh, fly in uh, in Europe. I don't know. I don't know the, the extent to which they have abortion clinics uh, around Europe. I've never investigated that. What uh, What do you know about that, uh, Michael? Oh, I'm not the best in this, but I know that abortion, of course, is uh, that is something that is, what do you say? Legal? It's done in Sweden. It's legal. Yes, legal. So it's mm. legal, to my knowledge, in the in the European nations. Yes. Uh, yeah. So this is, uh, but those, this, those kind of discussions about um, abortion, when I see in this in Sweden, is very seldom taken because... Yeah, Sweden is such um, has mm. been such communized, so socialized. Right. They, they don't they don't view it that way. Unfortunately, yeah. the same in Germany. The same there. They are they are so socialistic. So you, I mean, Germans need at least one generation to reverse from their socialistic way because they have really they have fallen far. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So uh, yeah, and Karl Marx is the the. You know, the creator of all this, and of course, he's a Jew, the son of a rabbi or grandson of a rabbi. And he and Moses Hess are the ones who formulated the communist philosophy and theology. That's what it is. It's satanic theology. It's not atheism. It's Satanism. And uh, the, 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 the universities, schools, and even churches of the world today preach Marxism, folks. That is the reality. That is the absolute reality. And so people are beginning to fight back because uh, uh, the people I've talked to just uh, just r- running around Illinois. The uh, people telling me, sometimes people walk up to me. I, I must look like a conservative. <laughs> people walk up to me and say, can you believe what's going on in this country? And I say, yeah, I sure can. It's called Marxism. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is. Yeah, everything's falling apart. Uh, dictatorships happening in America. And uh, yeah, they're figuring it out. This is a Walmart employee who just walked up to me and started talking to me about this, right? So, wow, folks, it, it's happening. Uh, you know, it's still at a very slow pace, a snail's pace, but it's beginning to happen. Okay, uh, next announcement here. Again, uh, we're offering Bruce McCarthy's book, Lawful money versus legal plunder. 
an indictment of criminal fraud and theft perpetrated against the non-bank public by the international banking cartel by Bruce G. McCarthy. It's a 100-page book. Uh, you can get a copy for a donation of $25 to ANP 900 Commerce Place, number 1016, Forsyth, Illinois, 62535. Again, I'll repeat that. ANP 900 Commerce Place, number 1016, Forsyth, Illinois, 62535. So uh, Bruce McCarthy is a Christian identity pastor, although his main area was... Um, you know, teaching about economics, uh, he I was president at several of his sermons at the church in uh, Northeast Indiana. Got to be uh, pretty close friends with him, and uh, was able to actually visit him at his house several years ago. But folks, a very important book that uh, you, you need to understand money because Meyer Amschel Rothschild said, "Give me control of a nation's currency." And I care not who makes its laws. And just a quick, quick comment, Michael, on the series we've been doing on the Sons of Keturah, that uh, I've came across this book that uh, relates Greek civilization to Israelite civilization, which is has really become a taboo subject in academic circles. Because, as we all know, the Jews teach, well, they're the Hebrews, and all the other people in the Middle East are non-Hebrews, okay, Indo-Aryans. And, of course, the academic world has picked up on this false teaching, and they claim that uh, Indo-Aryan languages, such as English and German and, uh, you know, the, the Danish and Swedish, all these are Aryan languages, and that Hebrew is the Jewish language, non-Aryan. Okay, well, we know that's poppycock, absolute poppycock. And uh, the fact is, well, here, let me just read the title of this book. The Common Background of Greek and Hebrew Civilizations by Cyrus H. Gordon. Let me see when this is published. Looks like it's published around 1965. And a quick quote here from Mr. Gordon, and he compares the civilization of the Greeks to the civilization of Hebrews. Uh, Here, I'm going to be reading from pages 16 and 17, really quick from page 16. We may now turn to a type of parallel of a still more specific nature. Homeric tradition often represents military organization as contingents of troops under a triad of officers for each contingent, as in passages like Iliad 2, 563-7, and Odyssey 14, 471. Iliad 12, 85-107, tells of five triads of officers in command of five companies of the Trojan Alliance. So we switch to page 17, where he talks about this passage, Iliad 12, 88-104. This passage is to be compared with the list of David's officers in 2 Samuel 23 and 1 Chronicles 2. Triads of officers appear in 2 Samuel 23, 9, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 23. 
To mention only the clearest examples, triads in this catalog of David's officers are also reflected in problematic forms of the numeral number three, which may have been distorted in the course of textual transmission because the Davidic system was not fully understood by later generations. The Homeric terminology ties in with the biblical in some detail, just as Sebriones and Asius, Iliad 12, 91 and 95, in the passage translated above, are called Tritos, third. Officers are frequently called Salis, from the same root as Salos, in Hebrew. It is further not unusual in both traditions to designate one officer in each triad as the chief. Much as Sarpedon is called superior to his two associates, Iliad 12, 101-104, Abishai is honored in 2 Samuel 23, 18 as, quote, chief of the triad, unquote, and as having one special fame among the three. 1 Chronicles 2, 21 states that the of the three, he was more honored than the other two and became their general, unquote. Folks, we know in Christian identity that the Greeks are the dispersed tribes of Israel, the te- so-called ten lost tribes. And we also know that Greek civilization began under the auspices of the house of Japheth, and they settled those territories first, but eventually the Israelites moved in and our traditions became Greek traditions and we, our people, took over the Greco-Roman world and even the Romans are, are Israelites. Of course, they forgot, they have forgotten their Israelite heritage and so have the Greeks uh, and so have we. We, we Americans and we Europeans, we have forgotten our Israelite heritage and have forgotten our connection to the Greeks. So the, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the Jason and the Argonauts, that whole tradition, uh, what was it, what do they call, At- no, not Atlas, uh, they're, they're super, they're strong superhero. What's, what's the name of that character? It, it's based. Well, no, yeah, gla- no, not gladiators. They have a, uh, a, a Hercules, yeah. Hercules is based on Samson, folks. Hercules is based on Samson, okay? So all of these Greek, so-called Greek traditions are based on the Bible, as I just quoted here from Cyrus H. Gordon. Again, the common background of Greek and Hebrew civilizations. Wow, what a gem. Just found this in my library. So anyway, those are the announcements, folks. Uh, All good stuff. So uh, where did we leave off? with uh, our document on uh, the, the uh, sons of Keturah. Yeah, so last time we spoke about um, Jethro, that was the, um, the relatives to, uh, now I've got who was relative to, was it Noah? No, not Noah, but no. <laughs> um, no, now I forgot, uh, Jethro was the one we read about last time. Yeah, yeah, and, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Midianites. Uh, and Midian, their relationship, yes. uh, they're sent from Abraham. And, yeah, uh, you know, that was the Moses, that, sorry, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So now we then have started with the Spartans, and uh, so we are under the heading military. And it was last time that I was a bit confused regarding to um, Jethro and Jericho. So Jericho was the oh, city, right. Jethro was the person, was the right. Midianite, the Israelite. So it's, 
I was a bit confused last time, but I have to refresh my memory. Yeah, yeah, right. And just let me say here that it's very, very important in reading the Bible, and most Bible scholars of the Judeo-Christian world do not read the Bible very carefully. In fact, they eschew biblical history altogether. All they're concerned about is dogma, the current dogma that their denomination teaches. The average Judeo-Christian denomination has no interest whatsoever in the historicity of the Bible. All they're concerned about is putting butts in the pews. That's basically all they're about. So if you can preach to those people, you you come to our church and you'll be saved, <laughs> right? That's what those people who whose butts are in those pews actually believe, and they'll be raptured. Okay, well, how many of those people have been raptured yet? Michael, have you seen anybody being raptured? Uh, no, they more have been <laughs> raptured. Maybe by the they have more taken uh, vaccinations. I mean, that's right. kind of rapture for them. Yeah, raptured by death and disease. Right? Okay, that's that's where. So this whole uh, field of dis, uh, distortion called Judeo Christianity is ruling the Christian world. It is, because it's also been infiltrated. You know, I was just talking about these organizations that infiltrate the, our public education system. They have also infiltrated Christianity. They have also infiltrated the denominations and giving them communist theologians. To, these theologians put there by the, uh, the, the, the foundations run by the Rockefellers and others. They put homosexual teachers and uh, pulpit masters into the churches. This is part of the plan to destroy Christianity, to destroy the white race. And folks, it's, it's culminating right now with COVID. The first shot not heard around the world. Whoever that first person was who took the shot, the COVID shot, that was the first shot of Armageddon. Of World War Three, folks, we are experiencing World War Three, but the people of the world, the white people of the world, don't get it. The Christians of the world don't get it that this is World War Three and Armageddon. So it's time for us to wake people up, and I think they're ready. I think they're finally ready, Michael. So okay, so you said, oh yeah, let me just—I'm looking at the document here. And if I haven't posted it in the chat room yet, I will momentarily. Uh, A quick comment about the word Kenite. Again, very, very commonly, the Judeo-Christian theologians, and I can't blame them for this, have falsely translated, assumed, falsely assumed, that every instance of the word Kenite means a descendant of Cain, because that's the only definition given in strong concordance, a descendant of Cain. But what we found out last time was that the word Kenite is actually attributed to metalsmiths, and they were descendants of Midian, clearly descendants of Midian. And so let me let me just read it right here under the heading of Kenites. The Kenites or Canaanites, SHD 7017, were a tribe of smiths descended from Midian, son of Keturah. They're not descendants of Cain, folks. They're descended from Midian, son of Keturah, their main daughter of Abraham. Their main area of habitation was probably in the southeast of Aqaba, but they were to be found much further afield, as we shall see. The Kenites are variously referred to by classical historians as the Kineoi, 
Kineas, or simply Cain, Numbers 24-22. Notably, they tend to receive a favorable mention in the Bible. Yeah, well, because they're not descendants of Cain, they're descendants of Keturah. So the Judeo-Christian world gets this wrong, understandably so, because strong concordance only gives one you know, short definition of the word Kenite. And there's a, a, another very important definition that should be in the concordances, but it is lacking. All right. Okay, back to you. And so where we pick up with the Spartans. Did we read about the Spartans? Yes. And the subheading we will start off with is military. Military. Okay. Actually, I was just talking about that in this book, the common, the triads, the organization of the Israelite army and the Greek army into – Spartan army into – Triads. Okay, back to you. And then for an triads, is that the call of company then? That was the uh, – every company was led by a group of three officers, uh, and, and the, there was a head officer of the three. So these are the triads, which we just quoted from Scripture and from the uh, Iliad and the Odyssey. They had, the Greeks had the same arrangement as the, as the Israelites. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And did yeah. it also the Romans have the same kind of uh, setup in their army? Yeah, they may have. Uh, I don't I know. I think they did. I'm reading a book about Caesar right now, and I think that was also his how he how he. But I think they were the if it was the centurions. Then you had one senior, and then you had one junior one. Okay. All right. They may have had a similar system because the, the Romans picked up a lot of traditions from the Greeks, right? And the Romans were Israelites of Zarajuda. And the Greeks were primarily Israelites of Pharaohs, uh, uh, Pharaohs Judah. Okay, so they were kin, they were kinsmen, but they all forgot that they were Israelites. <laughs> all right, back to you. Yeah, and also when you look at the Romans, they are red. If that's true, now we just seen the picture on their red cloak, so that also gives the resemblance to Sarah Judah. Right there, you go. Yeah, the Sarah Judah was the son of the red, uh, the red uh, string. Right, because uh, the the uh, the midwife uh, put a red string around his wrist because he stuck his hand out of the womb before being born, but he drew it back in. So, but then uh, Ferris came out first, so Ferris was the firstborn, and then Zerah came out as the second son. So Ferris was the elder son getting a double portion. Right, so and so Zerah was really uh, miffed about that and so he he went off to Europe in a huff leaving the company of the Israelites from Egypt while they were captives there and sailing across the Mediterranean Sea and landing in places like Sparta okay they are Zara Judah and the Romans are Zara Judah as well all right back to you military military prowess of the Spartans uh, was unrivaled the battle of uh, Thermo uh, Pilae of 480 BC is also famous. 300 Spartan warriors under King uh, Leonia, Leonidas held the pass of uh, Thermopylae for a number of days against the might of King Circe's uh, Persian army. And that has been a bracket estimated by Herodotus to total 5. Point, uh, 5 million point, 5. 0.28 million 
although modern historians naturally dispute that figures and claim perhaps 400,000. Yeah, 5.2 million is yeah, pretty much exaggerated, I would think. <laughs> right, 400,000. Yeah. And wasn't it, before we now go f- further, this pass was a very narrow pass. It was yes. The, so the, the Parisians couldn't really mount their, their, their flank, go in the full, in full, right. in full broad of their, when they attacked in their, with their fronts. So they have to come, they face the Spartans on equal terms almost. Yes, yeah. But uh, just 300 Spartan warriors under King Leonidas held the pass of Thermopylae for a number of days against the might of the entire Persian army. It was a, a stunning defeat of the Persian army, although they, they did have allies. So please continue. Yes, and Olorata also that you had 300 warriors on the Spartans, but also hidden, they haven't also the Spartans would you say, uh, cohorts and helpers of other sorts, they were maybe more than only 300. Yeah, yeah, it's more, yeah, uh, he, he talks about that in this paragraph. Yeah, so please uh-huh, continue. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was attempting to invade Greece. 700 um, Cespian warriors uh, were the only other who fought to the death alongside the Spartans from a total of 6,000 Greeks, the bulk of whom had been ordered to retreat. Cersus, quote, the Asiubrus um, of Esther and uh, Bracket, even sent his um, crack troops, the immortals, against the Spartans. They were also unable to break through. The Spartans were finally defeated by Greek uh, treachery, although the outcome was, was inevitable. Inevitable. Inevitable, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. And the Persian. Um, subsequently gained control over central Greece. Herodotus gives a full account of this battle in his his in his histories, and that I guess is book seven, page one hundred seventy-two onto two hundred thirty-four. And bracket. Um, the Spartans appear to have had a particular interest in the number three hundred. D. Ravelson, in his notes to his um, histories, says that the Spartan bodyguard usually consists of 300 men, and that is uh, uh, five, and then, I guess, page 56. In book one, uh, 82, we also find 300 Spartan engaged in mortal combat with an equal number of um, Argavi warriors in order to uh, determine the outcome of battle without the main armies having to engage, thereby limiting their bloodshed. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, each side put out 300 warriors and they fought it out amongst themselves and uh, hopefully the battle would not continue after that outcome, saving a lot of people. Very interesting. All right. Well, of course, you know, we uh, we like to say here in America that uh, the the banksters, the Jew banksters who contrive all these wars, they should get on a hilltop and duke it among themselves and leave us alone. But, you know, that's never going to happen. We're, we're fighting World War Three right now. And the people have to wake up as to who is staging this latest war. Back to you. Yeah, I and mean, again, you can compare it to our to the former former great captains and generals like um, Gustav Adolphus, uh, like Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great. All of yeah. them were themselves in battle. Yes. Yeah. They were in the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. Not pulling the strings. They were there. <laughs> yes, they were. Then, even now that Rome and Alexander were both representing the beasts in in the Book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. But they were 
still they had you can gain inspirations i guess from their leadership style and how they acted because to having something yeah to to yeah for my sake and okay i try to read and learn from them yes um, this common type of early combat was seen when Goliath and Gath challenged any single Israelite warrior to come out against him. Bracket, 1 Samuel 17, 4 until 10, and bracket. Also, when 12 Israelites uh, competed with David's 12 warriors of Judah in a single combat and with far the de- um, deadlier import than Merle rising up to play, as in the KJV. Uh, bracket second samuels uh, 2 14 to 16 and bracket again it was to avoid major bloodshed although a full-scale battle did ensure uh, in his um, histories we are told that uh, i am Minetheus, uh, the spartan fought and died uh, quote with but 300 men against the whole force of the uh, messenians Mes- Mes- and bracket end quote at a battle near uh, Sten Uselus, and that is from book uh, 9 64. This regular reference to 300 fighting men may well be that Spartan folklore recalled the act some centuries earlier of God through Gideon routing their Midianite cousins with the well chosen band of Gideon 300 men. There you go, um, another connection between Hebrew civilization and Greek civilization. Yes, and see Judges chapter 17, where Gideon, when God, when Yahweh said, No, you have too many, you have too many, and he, yeah, oh, how can right? I defeat yeah. them? I have no men left. Yeah, well, we have Yahweh, they don't. <laughs> But, of course, these Greeks and Romans have forgotten about Yahweh. So so have our people today. But, all right, back to you. Yeah, interesting that they had the th- same 300 there, the Spartans and also Gideon's, Gideon's yeah. army. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just proves that the Greeks and Romans have maintained Israelite uh, traditions without knowing it, forgotten their yes, Israelite their, origin. Uh, yeah. Yes, from in their blood and through their spiritual connection right. to Yahweh. Definitely in their blood. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So the Spartans themselves, we are a military society and a comp- accomplished warrior. So it could be speculated that out of admiration for the exploits of Gideon 300, they molded themselves on such men. Um, see the paper, Gideon's Force and the Lost Days, number 22. Oh, oh that looks Their interesting. Military- yeah. Yeah. To check that out. Okay. Yeah. Their military society was finally to be uh, to be their undoing. However, until their defeat by the Romans, they were unsurpassed. And immediately before uh, Thermopylus, uh, Ceresus was advised by uh, Demartus, a Greek, um, with the Persian army, who has now to deal with the first kingdom and town in Greece, and with the bravest men. Ibid, uh, 7, 209. Demartus had earlier said, So likewise the Lacedaemonians, when they fight singly, are as good men as any in the world, and when they fight in a body, are the bravest of all. For though they be free men, they are not in all respect free. Law is the master whom they own, and this master they fear more than thy subjects um, fear thee. Whatever he commands, they do, and his commandment is always the same. 
It forbids them to flee in battle, whatever the number of their foes, and requires them to stand firm and either to conquer or die. Bracket, Ibid, 7, 104, emphasis added. And don't, don't shoot until you see the whites of their eyes. Back to you. <laughs> yeah, but it was those time, I guess, here they had to wait even further because now yeah, we're right, more, yeah, more right, on... yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you'll actually look at their tonsils <laughs> with the mouths yelling at you, right? All right. Yeah, but I guess they have javelins and bows. Also, oh, yeah, of course, but they... right. Yeah. Um, the Spartan kings were supposedly um, descended from the hero um, Hercules, Hercules, who conquered Sparta two generations after the Trojan War. The Trojan War was in 1054, at the last year of um, Eli Judge in Israel, and two generations later placed them um, squarely in the rule of, da- David, um, of David, king of Israel. Along with the um, uh, Tarsians, um, Scythes, Persians, Lydians, and most Greeks, the Spartans in particular were known for their love of war and their aversions of, to trade and handicrafts. Okay. Histories uh, 2, 167. So they were essentially a militaristic people, and they, obviously they didn't practice usury, <laughs> right? Okay. What do you think? Did this society, would the Jews like this society? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that society would have to be destroyed because it might come up against them. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that also what the Jews accused the Germans of being before yeah. World War One and Two. Yeah, right. Yeah. Actually, uh, Germany was a, a especially warm and cozy place for the Jews because uh, especially even before World War One, the Jews were fleeing Russia and they landed in Germany where they were treated very well by the German people. But... Uh, yeah, that's like if you invite a parasite into your house, that a parasite will eventually destroy you, as they did during World War, you know, during World War One and the Weimar Republic, where they really feasted on German suffering. Back to you. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Um, it is said that uh, Laconia was eventually overrun by the Goth and Huns arriving from east, and in 396 CE, uh, Alaric destroyed the city of Sparta. Sparta was finally defeated by Rome in about 195 BC. Uh, the paper title, uh, The Generic Origins of the Nations, number 265, gives further information on various tribes under the heading Sons of Abraham, to quote. Uh, we know from the authority of Josephus that the Spartans were sons of Keturah. Thus, the large amount of uh, Y-DNA, A-G, one in Greece may be from the sons of Hechora, with the G coming in later from the uh, conquest in Asia Minor. Okay, I think uh, uh, HG, uh, you read it as one, but I think it's I. I think it's haplotype I uh, from a DNA study, okay? Uh And and, and that's compared with J later on. Okay, back to you. Okay, thank you. Um, And from Arabs in later centuries. There are significant Semitic uh, AG um, J. G, yes. J populations around the Mediterranean, but I is um, greater in incidence all over Europe. Greece also has the largest percentage E3B population outside of Africa. However, we know we now know that the um, 
IG, a combined group based on S2 and S22, split into two groups, and may have split into Greece, also from the one IG basic group that went in there. Okay, so the, when they mention Africa, that can only be Northern Africa, where the Greeks, uh, going way back to the Israelites uh, in, in captivity in Africa, you know, in, uh, in Egypt, Subsequent to their, and probably even before their uh, liberation and uh, under Moses, they spread across the northern face of Africa along the Mediterranean coast. Today, those people are known as Berbers, and they're a combination of Israelites and, uh, uh, I'm sorry, going back to Noah, uh, Hamites and uh, the, the sons of Shem, Hamites and Shemites. And uh, they eventually migrated uh, across into Spain and into uh, into England and Ireland. And so this DNA, we're talking about Israelite DNA here, uh, basically went uh, all places in Europe. Back to you. Yes. And I also thought about um, the uh, Carthage, how do I pronounce it, where Hannibal came from. Uh, Carthage, oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, Corinth. Uh, yeah, Cor- I, Cor- I, I forgot the name now. I'm, I'm yeah, such a, 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 I cannot a major, pronounce it really. A major trading port on the coast of Africa. There is actually Phoenician Punic, the Punic Wars that the Romans engaged in against uh, the, these sons of uh, Shem, uh, Shem and Ham uh, in, in Africa. Right? Yeah, I know which uh, city you're talking about. I can't think of the name of it either. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, that was a, a city populated by uh, Hamites and Shemites. Okay, but it was actually a Phoenician outpost, and we know the Phoenicians were primarily the ships were sailed by Israelites, the various tribes of Israel. Okay. Yeah. Carthago. Carthage. Carthage. Yes, Carthage. Thank you. Carthage was the city. Yeah, and I guess they were mainly of yeah to say the Phoenicians. They, I would understand, they were mainly of. Asherites and Naphtalines, I've heard. Yes. That's a form of city. Yeah, well, they were okay. high, highly paganized, however. Very much oh, paganized. Oh, yeah, yeah, they were highly pagan, paganized, yeah. they were. Yeah, And they had they had uh, offerings, and they offered to Baal, I guess, and, and right. have a lot of child sacrifice and stuff right. like this, like the yeah. abortions. Yeah, the, the Tophet of Carthage, uh, basically the word Tophet, is a, a name for a pit, a burning pit, into which the Carthaginians tossed their newborn babies. So a lot of yeah. our ancestors did that, and they're still doing it today in, in, the, uh, in the form of abortion. But maybe the tide is turning on that. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, and I read also on, in the chat room that uh, Bavarian man said that, that in Berlin is a lot of abortion okay. clinics. Yeah. Okay. I see there's a question by Swamp Fox. Uh, maybe I didn't make myself clear. What is the correct term uh, for the sons of Cain? And uh, again, the it is the, the term is Kenite. Uh, that's the term used by Abraham in Genesis 15:18, where he describes the ten Kenite tribes that the Israelites will conquer. 430 years later, okay? So those Kenite tribes did land uh, in Palestine, 
and were the ones in Palestine when the Israelites uh, under Joshua finally began their warfare against them. So, but that's the only definition of Kenite given in Strong's Concordance. And what this document here makes very clear is that there's another type of Kenite, and that that definition is metallurgist or metalsmith, the metalsmiths of the sons of Keturah, the Midianites. So there's a there's a, a definition that Strong was not aware of, and the vast majority of theologians are not aware that this is a di- completely different definition of the word Kenite and is not related to the descendants of Cain. Okay. Uh, I hope that's maybe a clearer explanation that I gave earlier. All right, back to you. Yes, so thank you. So now we have a new heading called the Jews. Um, Oh, no, 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 no. The Druze. (laughs) Uh, You're you're pronouncing it as Jews. That's what I heard. The Druze. Yeah, Druze. D-R-U-Z-E. Yeah, I could see uh, it could be pronounced Jews. Right, but it's the Druze. Okay, yeah, back to you. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, maybe I'm. It's a tongue yeah, twister, you, 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 me, you, so. you slurred over it a little bit, right? <laughs> okay, I did. Yeah, yeah, and I thought when I read this the first time, I thought, oh, isn't it a Druze? But no, this is another other people. Yeah, it's a completely different word, and it's a completely different people. All right, back to you. It is, and I yeah. will, we will learn that now. Yeah. So. <laughs> And several modern commentators claim that descendants of um, Kenites are to be found today among the Druze people uh, of Lebanon, Syria, and Israel. The Wikipedia, the Wikipedia article states, the Druze call themselves the people of uh, monotheism, or uh, Validun, monotheistic. The origin of the name Druze is traced to Nash Takin ad Darasi, one of the first preachers of the religion. Uh, the Jews reside primarily in Lebanon, with smaller communities in Israel, Syria, and Jordan. While most Jews consider themselves Arabs, some living in Israel do not. There are thought to be as many as one million Jews worldwide, the vast majority in the Levant or East Mediterranean. However, some estimates of the total Druze populations have been as low as 450,000. About 50,000 Druze live in the United States. Okay, so uh, these people are descendants of Keturah. As this are, they're not Jews, they're descendants of Keturah. Back to you. Yeah, and I, I never heard of this group before, so it's yeah. interesting. Yes. Uh, um, in 1167, noted traveler Benjamin of uh, um, Tudela wrote about the Jews in his diary. He describes the Jews as mountain dwellers, monotheistic, believe in soul transfigurations, and are good friends with the Jews. <laughs> okay, quote. right, that's, uh, that's, that's certainly possible. <laughs> well, uh, okay. yeah, he's using, uh, again, he's using the word Jew, uh, to, assuming that the Jews are Judahites slash Israelites. Yeah, back to you. And maybe they were good yeah. friends with, with the with the Jews because uh, the the uh, Jewish moneylenders got in that territory too. Yes, so the Jews have played a major role in history of Levant. They were mostly scattered um, in the uh, Shof Mountains, which are part of Mount Lebanon, quote bracket, known for some time as the Mount of the uh, Jews and bracket. 
and later the uh, eponymous uh, Jabal al Dus, and that is Mount of the Jews in Syria. However, many Jews living in the Golan Heights consider themselves Syrian and refuse Israel, Israeli citizenships. All right. Yeah, that proves that they're not Jews. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> while the remainder, uh, remainder consider themselves is, is Israeli. In general, elections, the majority of Jews, villages, have similar voting patterns as the general public. Israeli Jews also serve in the Israeli army. Oh, voluntary. Okay, so there's so they're split. <laughs> As are our people. The Zionist Christians are, are on the side of the Jews, not on the side of true Israel. All right, back to you. Yeah, uh, the Jewish community reverts to uh, the non-Jewish father-in-law of Moses, Jethro, ah, whom whom Muslim call. Um, Shoaib, according to the biblical narrative, Jethro joined the assi- assisted the Jewish people in the no, desert the, during yeah, the Exodus. Yeah, the Judahite people. Uh, Judahite. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, in this case, it's obviously Judahite. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, it's good you're correcting me when I'm reading because yeah. I haven't really so you connect correcting it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And accepted monotheisms but ultimately uh, rejoined his own people. In fact, the tomb of Jethro near uh, Tiberias is the most important religious site for the Jewish community. Okay, so they're obviously the descendants of Keturah, recognize their ancestor Jethro, and uh, remember, I think it was last week, we quoted Jethro's uh, prophecy to his own Midianite people, where he said, you, you... uh, will become paganized and will uh, uh, abandon Yahweh, <laughs> right? And so they rejected Jethro because apparently because he adopted monotheism and, uh, and the, and the um, descendants of, of Keturah were monotheists to begin with, but they also became paganized. So you could see the history of the Middle East and, and the world really is how our people, the, the descendants of Abraham, through his three wives, Sarah, Hagar, and Keturah, basically these are the the sons of Abraham, the the multitude of people that you cannot number. There's the sands of the uh, ocean front and stars in the sky. That's how many descendants Abraham and his three wives have had. Not the Jews, folks, but the descendants of Abraham. These people fulfill that prophecy, okay? And, of course, we Anglo-Saxon Israelites are part of that multitude, and we are the company of nations prophesied, not the Jews. We are the company of nations prophesied. The Jews have never had a company of nations. In fact, throughout history, the Jews have not had a nation. They have only one nation that they can claim, and that's Israel. Back to you. Yeah, claim, but they have stolen it. Yes, right. It's not there. They have stolen it with uh, with the Rothschild uh, yeah, Balfour Declaration. That's right. So I don't see they have it, and they have taken it by arm wrestling and by, by force. conniving again. By force, yes, by force and deceit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, belief of the Jews. The Jews uh, believe in the unity of God. Hence, their uh, preface for the name 
quote, people of mon- monotheism, end quote, or monotheistic. Their theology has a new Planetonic view about how God interacts with the world through um, emanations and is similar to some Gnostic and other esoteric uh, sects. They are not, however, influenced by uh, Sufi philosophy, as many believe. The Jews believe in uh, reincarnations and are uh, uh, pantheistic. Yeah, again, here uh, this do- documents the fact that our ancestors, whether of uh, you know, uh, Keturah, Hagar, or Sarah, uh, event- they started out as monotheists, but eventually uh, devolved into pantheism. Yes. Okay. Uh, the principles of Jews' faith are guarding one's tongue, honesty, protecting one's brother, respecting the elderly, helping others, protecting one's homeland, and belief in one God. Another well-known feature of Jews' religion is a fervent belief in human-only reincarnations for all the members of the community. Where had that come from? Reincarnation? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, actually, the um, the uh, the sons of Keturah in India began to believe that as well. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Okay. It was, it was very common in uh, actually most religions. I think believe in reincarnation, but uh, very common in India and uh, the Middle East in general. Okay. So the Druze picked it up as well. Okay. Yeah, I guess from the Hindus, I know they have reincarnations. I believe believe in that. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because the belief in reincarnation in India and elsewhere is actually used as a crutch. So where they say, okay, uh, I, if I reincarnate as a cockroach, <laughs> right? if, if I die a sinner in this lifetime, I may re, uh, reincarnate as a goat or as a member of some other race. Which and then they believe when when that person dies, they will have a chance at reincarnation again, and so maybe ultimately they won't die, a, a de- and it may eventually get to heaven somehow, <laughs> right? So th- that belief is a crutch. They use it as a crutch. Okay, so it's just a way, uh, an excuse for sinning. That's all it is. Back to you. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, they reject uh, polygamy. Um, tobacco smoking, alcohol, or consumption of pork. Although pork and alcohol may be consumed in many non-religious and or al-jul households, uh, Drew's religion does not allow them to intermarry with the Muslims, Jews, or member of any other religions. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but they put only the emphasis on religion, maybe not on race. Right, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm sure you're correct about that. Uh, the Jews believe in prophets like Adam, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Moses, Solomon, John the Baptist, and Jesus. Uh, as mentioned above, in contrast to member of the other monotheistic faiths, they also elevate Jethro, or um, Shuab, father-in-law uh, of Moses, uh, to the st- uh, status of major prophet. They also believe in the wisdom of classical Greek philosophers such as Plato and Pythagoras, uh, who have the same um, stature as other prophets. In addition, they have an array of wise men 
that found the religion in the 11th century. Okay, here again is the connection between Greek and Hebrew civilization that the vast majority of economic, uh, sorry, uh, academics and uh, uh, Christian philosophers don't, never have considered. All right. The, the, the Druze are one of these people. I'm not sure if Cyrus H. Gordon mentions the Druze in this book, the common background of Greek and Hebrew civilizations. Uh, he may or may not be aware, but these are obviously people in that category, okay, who are both Hebrew and Greek influenced. Back to you. Yes, okay, let's continue. Uh, Druze are not required to follow the Muslim duties of prayer, fasting, or pilgrimage to Mecca. However, they may, uh, may, should they be, inclined to. One of the faith holy books is called the Kitabu-i-Hikma. Isn't that Swedish or or, or is that uh, Norwegian? (laughs) Yeah, Book of Wisdom, right. Yeah, that that was easier. <laughs> Lodi compiled by a mysterious figure called Al Muktana. It has six volumes and is compiled in chapter, each um, covering a specific issue. The teachings denounces materialism, especially materialism relative to religion. Religion. Uh-huh. Very good. The sacred book, the Druze, successfully hidden from the world for eight centuries, have since the middle of nineteenth century found their way into European libraries. Have you read this book? No. Uh, or no. No. No, I've only heard about the Druze. I've never studied it. So it's very interesting. So they they are definitely descendants, and they consider themselves to be the descendants of Jethro, sons of Keturah. Yes. Very good. And Book of, um, and, um, book of Wisdom in Swedish is Visdomsboken. Okay. <laughs> that is Swedish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like uh, Arabian. <laughs> All right. For a for non-Swedish, I know it does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Druze place of worship are usually very modest, and the uh, Ayavid lead very modest lifestyles. Prayer is usually conducted discreetly among families and friends. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Pray in your closet. Uh, yep. There is little official hierarchy in the religious community except for the uh, Shaikha al-Akl, whose role is more political and social than religious. A religious figure is admired for his wisdom and lifestyle. Okay. And this is uh, the, the source is from Wikipedia. Okay. Uh, so, as with uh, Judah and Ishmael, the strict monotheism of the Jews, could point to these people being direct descendants of Abraham by Keturah. And the fact that they um, venerate Jethro would strongly indicate um, descent from this particular priest and prophet of Midian, who also appeared well um, acquainted with the one true God. However, more like Christianity, the Jews' faith has apparently been infiltrated by Gnosticism and a belief in such ideas as reincarnation. No, it's interesting that the Gnostics tried to influence early Christianity as well, right, in Palestine. And, uh, you know, Paul uh, Paul documents the Gnostic uh, movement trying to infiltrate Christianity. Now, it's very interesting because uh, the, the Gnostics were probably Greeks, 
they're probably Greeks, okay? And uh, and when the Christianity came to the ten lost tribes who were living in the Greco-Roman world, they had all these Gnostic beliefs, so, not all of which are horrible, but uh, you know they they tried to keep their Gnostic beliefs and and combine them with Christianity. And this was Paul. That's what he was objecting to among several congregations. I think it was among the Corinthians, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken. They uh, they worshipped uh, the god Athena, the goddess Athena, and uh, and they had a genealogy of gods and goddesses from the Greek pantheon. And this is what Paul was criticizing, your genealogies. He wasn't talking about the genealogies of the Israelites. He was criticizing their Gnostic genealogies in that book. Okay, a lot of Christians and scholars don't realize that's what Paul was really criticizing. Back to you. Exactly. He's criticizing this when they spoke about the old Greek gods and stuff like that. Right. This. Yeah. We're descended from the gods. Well, sort of, <laughs> but not those gods. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I know. I got that, that um, argument from a Swedish pastor. He really? took up that passage and said that, oh, well, stop arguing about uh, genealogy because it's, uh, here is Paul saying you should not. Yes, absolutely. So they use that argument. That's something that I've been been yeah, used, but uh, it's, it's not that's not the usage of the passage. That's right. He doesn't understand. Oh. Uh, typically, he doesn't understand scripture. Uh, no, unfortunately not. Okay, let's see if I get this first line correct because it's a bit <laughs> clipped. This word here. Their Y DNA structures identifies them as the second largest ethnic group oh. with haplogroup G, which is nineteen percent, and indicated they may have have Assyrian bloodlines, or they may have developed ha- uh, haplogroup G in isolation from the original F. The highest group of um, G are G- Gregorians, and the Georg- Assyrians are... Georgians, the Georgians. Okay, Georgian. again. So, uh, again, we're talking about Aryan bloodlines. Aryan slash Hebrew bloodlines. Okay? And uh, interesting where the Jewish uh, DNA fits in i don't think that I, maybe some jews have j but not all of them most i think most jews don't have j well keep reading because this is a this is going to be a very difficult passage uh because it's it's haplotypes of dna and uh it's going to it's all mixed up you know but go ahead finish this uh this passage here this uh, this uh paragraph at least because uh, I don't think we need to read all these different haplotypes. Uh, it would not be informative. <laughs> all right, so please continue. The Gregorians might be assumed to be a core of the ancient Assyrians. However, that will be examined in the paper of the sons of Shem. Oh, okay. The Drew also had 33% L, which is indicative of Japheth origin. Very good. The K- Structure yeah. in Lebanon is also Japhethite. All right, so we know that ultimately, you know, because uh, the first prophecy, Japheth, Japheth shall dwell in the tents of Shem, which means that uh, the Japhetic civilization will be ruled over by Shemitic civilization, and that was that prophecy was fulfilled by the Israelite kings and queens, Shemites of Europe. So you have to see Eastern Europe primarily, and also 
Greek civilization was begun by Japheth, but eventually taken over by Shem through Israelite kings and queens. Back to you. Yeah, I think you can you can ignore these haplotypes. Uh, he he talks about Muslim Lebanese, Christian Lebanese, Malta, Sicily. Uh, you know, who knows what these haplotypes really mean? Uh, all the the only let's see under Sicily, twenty two percent R one B. And under Malta, it's 32% R1B. R1B is the most common Aryan haplotype. And R1B and R1A, back to you. So, so reconstruction of patrilineages, etc. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, let's see. Um, by the Samaritans, by Shen, at all, show 35% L haplogram among a sample of Jews but no L among Jews or uh, Palestines. The Y uh, chromosome of Jews, the Y chromosome of Jews by Nebel et al. shows some L in Kurds, but not in Jews or Arabs. Yeah, and they have a completely other haplotype also. They don't have their R1B. Right. Uh, the Kurds are Medes with some composite mixture. Uh, and... Uh, Incidents among Kurds and Druze indicate that the Druze are probably a, comp- a composite people uh, that relates to the replacement sent in by the Assyrians on the r- removal of Israel rather than being descendants from Jews or Arabs. The Samarian, the Samaritan results, on the other hand, were similar to the Jewish results, but just as varied. K2 also in Lebanon is derived from uh, uh, Tarshish, trader in Phoenician system. Tarish. The Jews are thus not homogeneous sons of Abraham. They appear to be related to the Aryans that went into India and formed the El Haplo group. Yeah, what have we been saying? All right, the sons of Keturah went east into India. Okay. Yes, the India Aryan. There, uh, from as early as the Assyrian contact at uh, Harappa and uh, Moyeno and Daro, before the main Aryan conquest, circa 1000 BC at the time of David. Thus, the Druze are probably descendants from Assyrians, um, Cuthians and Medes, placed in Israel by the Assyrians after the capture and deportation of the ten tribes of Israel in 702 BC. And these people were all Shemitic. All of them. Okay. Yeah, but they have been... And many were Hebrews. And Hebrews. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess by now they have been mixed, so they are not pure Israelites. Well, yeah, today, yeah, certainly. Yes. Okay, now we come to prophecies concerning the sons of Keturah. And first we have Midianites. Um, As the most uh, ambiguous uh, descendant of Abraham by Keturah, Midian is mentioned three times by the prophet Isaiah. The reference to Midian in Isaiah 9.4 and 10.26 are in negative light and concern the punishment meted out uh, to his descendants as an example to Israel. See also Psalm 83, 1-18. The uh, Quran also has many injunctions directed at Midianites, one in particular speaking of the end of times. 
Okay, all right. Uh, sorry to interrupt here, but I'm just looking up a, a website talking about what are the most common haplotypes among Jews. And it says here, the most common haplotype is type N. Type N. And this is common among Jews in general, Ashkenazis, Roman Jews, North African Jews, Kurdish Jews, Turks, and Africans, and three also among Europeans, because obviously, oh, and here, the Druze, D-R-U-Z-E, uh, 21% of Druze have this haplotype N, etc. Okay, so uh, I don't see any R1B or R1A listed at all. All right, back to you. And so N can be the haplotype from Cain, a.k.a. Satan. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Suram, 2936. Anon to Midian, we sent uh, uh, Shueb, Jethro, their brother. He said, O my people, serve Allah and look forward to the last days and do not evil, making mischiefs in the earth. Um, uh, Pickthald. Uh, the book by the so-called minor prophet uh, Habakkuk contains a prophecy concer- uh, concerning the coming of Messiah in great glory. There is also a, con- a connection with the uh, land of Midian. Here we have uh, mm-hmm. Habakkuk, Habakkuk uh, 3, 1 until 7. A prayer of um, uh, Habakkuk, um, the prophet, according to um, Shigion. Shigionoth, uh, uh, O Lord, I have heard the report of thee and thy work. O Lord, do I fear in the midst of the year re- uh, renew it, in the midst of the year make it known, in wrath remember mercy. God came from uh, Theman and the Holy One from Mount uh, Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was uh, full of his praise. Selah. His brightness was like uh, the light rays, flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plagues, followed close behind. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shocked the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered, and everlasting hills sank low. His ways uh, were as of old. I saw the tents of uh, Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Okay, so I think the the verse 3 where it says God came from Timon, that could also be translated as God went through Timon, Timon because Timon is the territory of Edom. Okay, but of course uh, Esau, this precedes the, uh, you know, the, the story of Jacob and Esau. So, uh, these people may not have been really horrible people at the time, right? Uh, but they eventually got worse, okay? Now, this really sounds like, uh, you know, when the Israelites went through the, the territory is what Habakkuk is really talking about here. But back to you. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, as noted earlier, Burton suggests that Kushan is possibly a more general term equivalent to Midian, which ties in with the Arab um, conception of Keturah being a Kushite woman. Yeah. Okay. So here we have Cohen, 
uh, Interrupt Dictionary at uh, Cushion, uh, Volume 1, page 751, also holds this view and says it may be an older um, uh, uh, poetical name for Midian based on the presence of tribes descendants from Cush. He thinks it is probable uh, that the word uh, Cushite applied to the wife of Moses does not mean uh, Ethiopian, but rather refers to the Midianites. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Good. But, yeah. But there were Cushites who went into Ethiopia as well. Okay. Uh, but that does not mean they were blacks. <laughs> right? The whole of North A- Northern Africa and well down into the Nile Territory was populated by these white people. Right? Yes. And Israelites went as far south as the island of Elephantine, where they built a replica of the Temple of Jerusalem. That is still there. And uh, the, the, the now these people are half black now. These half black uh, worshippers that worship in that temple claim that the Ark of the Covenant still resides in there. <laughs> right? Okay, that is their connection to Israel. So, yeah, you have to understand these historical connections to understand, you know, this, you know, how these people got there, why they went there, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and how these Hebrew Israelite traditions got went all over the world. It's really obvious that these Hebrew Israelite traditions have gone all, all over the world with partially descended people from uh, from Israel and full-blooded Israelites. Back to you. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's why you have also some uh, some resemblance of, uh, I guess, society up in more northern Africa, where you have right. the northern nations. They have some kind of society, I would say. Yeah. But as as yeah. far the south you're coming, it's uh, declining until you come to South Africa, of course. Right. Well, if you look at the Ethiopians, you know, the current day Ethiopians, they do not have uh, stark black features like the rest of Africa. They actually have, you know, they're so mixed with white, with white genetics that many of them uh, look white, you know, somewhat white anyway, easily distinguishable from the really black Africans. That's because they're mixed with uh, Israelite and Hebrew blood. Okay. I forget their their religion. I forget their religion is called, but, um, Haile Selassie, I think, was the name of one of their leaders, and he's clearly a mixed-race person. He's not pure black, clearly mixed-race. But they've practiced the religion of ganja, (laughs) right? (laughs) Smoke-a-dopa religion. All right, back to you. Uh, The term is also used to refer to the uh, Kassites of Babylon and the lands near um, where traditionally called the kingdom of uh, Kush or Kush. Um, craft Ibid um, uh, art uh, Kusham uh, Ristahim thinks the term is most likely related to Midianite tribe near Edom mm-hmm. as linked by uh, Habakkuk 3.7 okay early- so yeah now it's interesting God I don't have my concordance open uh, but I'll look at Habakkuk uh, 3 verses 1 through 7 more closely uh, maybe uh uh, Dan and I can talk about that next next Saturday because it it seems to be saying verse three seems to be saying that God originated in Timon and I don't think it's saying that it's a, he he went through Timon he had to go through the Israelites had to go through Timon uh, from Egypt to finally you know go into the wanderings 
you know, in the in the desert, in the wilderness for the next 40 years. I think that's what this verse is referring to, and not that God originated in Timon. All right, back to you. Yeah, I'm now looking at, yeah. uh, at in the scriptures. Which verse was it? Habakkuk uh, uh, 3.7? Three, uh, no, it's Habakkuk 3, verse 3. 3, 3. Yeah. And now let's see what it said here. Okay. Uh, Eloah comes from uh, Teman, and the setter part one from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor shall cover the heavens, and his praise shall fill the earth. Okay, so it, I think it's just simply referring to mountains, perhaps, whether El, it says Eloha, not Yahweh, <laughs> Eloha, and of course the various, the, the name El is even more common in ancient pagan world, worlds than Yahweh, only the Israelites worshipped Yahweh, and they're only ones who worshipped Yahweh exclusively, uh, but the uh-huh. ancient pagan world worshipped various gods under the name of El or Eloah, all right, back to you. And I look it up. I look okay. in, the, in the Brown's Driven Briggs Concordance here, up, okay. where it said the definition of Eloah is either God or false God. Right. So maybe okay. it's the false God here that this yeah, is not. Uh, I think so. I think so. I yeah. think this is a bad translation in the King James. All right, back to you. Yeah, in the, in the one, uh, the scriptures use Eloah. And that's that's could then be. The term then it's not uh, El, it's not Elohim. It is Eloah, right. says something right. else. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, well, it's 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 used in Hebrew as well. But as as I was saying, the pagans used that term for their own gods as well. Okay. Ah, okay. Okay. Let's continue. The term is also used to refer to the castitates. Uh, uh, oh, I read that already. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, uh, the early white DNA of the Kushites is from AGC and develops from the uh, develops from there. But the white DNA groups of the Arab sons of Keturah and Midianites are not C or E3B, but Semitic uh, haplogroups. And then have a have a reference to a paper here called "Genetic Origins of the Nations." Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know how trustworthy that kind of, that kind of information is, but yeah, okay, we have uh, about ten minutes left, so I think we can you know we can c- conclude our series on the descendants of uh, Keturah today. Uh, it's very interesting historical information presented in this uh, in this document. It's very good. All right, back to you. Yes, I was, but I think I won't be able to get through the last two pages in the no, speed no. I having. Right. No. No uh, The historian's history of the world point to the complex problem of the Kushites being both in Ethiopia and Sudan and in Babylonia by pointing out uh, that the confusion uh, stems from the fact that the tribes in Babylon was the um, robber tribe of the um, Kashu or the um, Kushians. Um, and they dominated Babylon for centuries. Yeah, also known as the Kassites, K-S-S-I-T-E-S, Kassites, okay. So uh, uh, who knows what their origin is, but uh, they uh, these terms, Kashu and Kush, Kush being the descendant of Ham, okay. Uh, so there might be confusion between these two groups. Back to you. Mm-hmm. The Bible identifies them with the African branch also 
uh, and that is and then we have in reference to Genesis two thirteen and ten eighteen. Uh, they disappeared, and consequently, the histor- historians at that time thought they were a myth. We now know from DNA that the branch of the same CIY DNA groups have spread all over the world, from Asia to Australia and to New Zealand and uh, Polynesia and uh, to the Mongols yeah. and into the Americans. Okay, the, uh, biblically, Cush is the son of Ham and father of Nimrod. Okay. Father of Nim- Nimrod, but yeah. uh, but but Nimrod wasn't he almost a giant? Yeah, I think Cush uh, may have married a giant woman. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> or Ham may have uh, married a giant woman. Maybe Semiramis was a giant woman. I don't know. All right, but uh, there was some, something bad in the DNA happened there. Something bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how true it is that Nimrod was a giant, was a Nephilim, but I I read that and I heard yeah, that. Okay. Um, uh, with uh, Nadini, what? And by the way, what is your? Have you f- found something out about that? If Nimrod uh, was a giant, no. or was he just a very evil man that built this tower of Babel? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not aware. The Bible doesn't speak of him as a giant, so yeah, that may be you know an extra biblical tradition. Oh, okay. Yeah, but then we just keep the hey, he was he was a bit uh, he wasn't so Yahweh worshiper. He more yeah. tried to shoot arrows at him. Right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Or Shippewa um, and down to the Apech uh, and even to some sections of the Mayans who are uh, Q3 and Q and C3 in the order of in incidents. Uh, the confusion with the early Midianites probably comes from the associations of the Hyksos, nomadic uh, murderers, mar- uh, mar- of which the Edomites and Sons of Ketura were no doubt part. Okay. Yeah, does that say marauders? Uh, I, uh, I'm flipping back to the document. I'm not sure where you're at. Um, so uh, was that, is that word marauders? That you yeah, just, nomadic I'm trying uh, to marauders. Find Okay, nomadic marauders. Okay. Um, the third mention of Midian by Isaiah is in chapter 60 and is also prophetic. Isaiah 60, 1 until 7. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness of people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will... It will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings uh, to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about, and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far, and your daughters shall be carried in their arms. Then you shall see uh, and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall uh, be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from um, Sheba, shall come. They shall bring gold and uh, frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered uh, to you. Uh, the rams of 
Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify my glorious house. Okay, uh, to me, as you're reading this, it sounds like this uh, is speaking of the historical period uh, from David and Solomon until the coming of Messiah in uh, 33 AD. Okay? When all hell broke loose <laughs> at his crucifixion, right? And, and the world uh, changed dramatically. The Middle East changed dramatically after that. All right, back to you. But um, could this also be uh, ascribing to today's because it is thick darkness today too? Oh, yeah, for sure. And of course, it also could be describing the fact that uh, of uh, Aryan colonialism, you know, Hebrew-Israelite colonialism, uh, all over the world, right? And also in uh, the Middle East, okay? Because we were on good terms with the Arabs, America, until the Jews con- conquered Palestine, all right, and made enemies. Uh, and the Jews have been making enemies for us all around the world, you know? So we were getting along with those people in the Middle East until the Zionists took over Palestine. All right, back to you. Yeah. Um, they are mentioned as coming from uh, Sheba, which we know, we now know is uh, in Southern Arabia and was once the great oasis fed by the immense dams that uh, deteriorated just as the Romans reduced Sheba in power by their occupations of Arabia and the dominances of trade, dominance of trade. Okay. The, um, Sluis gates are still there, but the wall has never been rebuilt. The power and wealth of this area lies in the hands of the Arabs, which we have identified now as the sons of Kichora and not the sons of Ishmael. Okay, well, it could be a combination of both. You know, the, they, they basically occupied, you know, I guess the Ishmaelites occupied Western Arabia and the Keturians, uh Northern and Eastern Arabia is what the general configuration here seems to be. All right. Uh, so uh, no, I, I think both groups, uh, Arabs today, are come from both of those groups, not just Keturah. Back to you. The tents of Kedar and uh, uh, Nabioth were in the northwest and extended to the Euphrates. Here we see that um, Epha and Midian are listed as two separate tribes. Matthew Poe states that Epha son of Midian, quote, dwelt beyond Arabia, end yeah. quote. Beyond Arabia, Racket. right? E- east of uh, Arabia, okay? Like Indo-Aryans, maybe? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, a commentary on the Holy Bible. Uh, he also makes an interesting comment on Isaiah 66. Okay, I think we can get this quotation in before we have to end. Go ahead. The multitude of camels, i.e., the abundance of wealth and treasures that is brought upon camels, these being the, cre- the uh, creature the eastern people use for carriage of their golden spice and spice and other rich treasure, which are said to cover them. The like phrase with that um, judge versus uh, no judge six five, or whereby is understood those people that did uh, use to ride on camels as the Arabians and the bordering countries. For by this and such like figuratively and borrowed ex- uh, expressions in several uh, verses of this chapter is particularized several nations and by them is implied the coming in of all nations unto Christ. 
Yes. And therefore, they are brought in a uh, presenting uh, the chiefest commodities of their respective uh, countries. Okay. The dromedaries. The, the dromedaries, I think, are the one-hump camels. Yeah, the dromedaries. Yeah. Or yeah. also, or even the dromedarians, which are le lesser sort of camel, um, so-called from the swiftness in running, to which are the better enabled, because as Pliny obs observes, they can endure thirst four days together. Hmm. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I think he's correct that uh, this prophecy we just read in Isaiah encompasses the whole of what is today called Arabia and parts east and parts south of the people, you know, the, the Shemitic people and uh, Keturians living in these areas and the Ishmaelites in these areas uh, coming to, uh, they were our allies in the days gone by, but not anymore. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. This, thank you, Michael. This concludes our pre presentation of this outstanding document. Excellent history here. And we'll uh, pick something else for next week. So thank you, Michael. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye, everybody. Praise Yahweh. Goodbye for now. Bye-bye. Peace.